Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, we get real with Cora Curry about pain, fibromyalgia, and healing childhood trauma. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Cora, thank you so much for being here and being willing to just talk about what you've dealt with and share your story. Fibromyalgia is a flipping big deal. And there was a lot of people that got diagnosed or not diagnosed with fibromyalgia in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And it was really kind of looked down upon like a not a real thing. And we've thank God transformed that. And it's actually like got documented research and credibility. But I think part of the struggle conventional medicine has is when they don't really know how to treat something, they don't really bother to diagnose it or they, or they don't have as much knowledge around it. And so that's why I've done a lot of work with people with fibromyalgia and how you and I got connected. But um, just thanks for being willing to share what your experience of it's been and like where you kind of see where it came from and what you've been doing about it. Cause it's rare to have someone, I will tote your toot your horn, which is the amount of healing you've done in not yet even a year is like really remarkable. I have rarely seen anybody with either fibro or chronic fatigue or um, the other very closely related is Sears, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, that genre of diseases and disorders. You're, you're in the lead for how fast you've moved through some major stuff. So I think you're in a good position to talk about how the hell did you do it and what did it take? <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I do want to start off finding the right doctor to believe yeah. in you and understand that you're, it's not just in your head was the trickiest of all. Cause my first doctor, he would just prescribe medicine and say, try that. And it was difficult to just be like, no, this is only temporary fixing it. And then yeah. within a week or two later, I'm experiencing the symptoms again because it wasn't actually treating the symptoms. It, it was treating the symptoms, but not the disorder. Yeah. And that was beyond frustrating. So back in April of last year, when I found a doctor that finally believed me and had references to what fibromyalgia is, was finally a relief, even though she was still treating the symptoms. Yep. It at least gave me the doorway to find out how to get rid of treating the symptoms and actually attacking the diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was very frustrating up to that point. Cause I would just have periods of brain fog, not being myself, not being able to work tired all the time. And the pain just, it's crippling. It feels like you're under a steamroller and keep getting rolled over. Mm. You can't seem to escape. Tylenol doesn't do it. Percocet, Darvocet, none of that would work. Yeah. It would take the edge off. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But it didn't really truly alleviate the function. And then not only that, you get the like the drugs like Cymbalta and Gabapentin that I think actually make your symptoms worse in the long run. Because mm. you keep increasing the doses. And yes, it temporarily relieves them, but then you have to increase it again. And then these meds make you have brain fog, tired all the time, not being able to focus. I'm like, where's the win in it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you're getting effects from the drugs that are so similar to the original disorder. Like you can't really tell where one ends and the other one begins. Exactly. Yeah. So when did you first get diagnosed or maybe even when did you first suspect there was something going on? Well, I think I suspected in 2018 around between September and November. I can't really, cause it's a yeah. blur. Quite yeah. honestly, I lost like two, three years of my life to this fibromyalgia where I don't remember a lot of things. It all yeah. blurs together and it, it's, it truly is a brain fog. Like yeah. I, my uh, mates actually pointed out things that I've forgotten in the two years, two to three years that I, you know, I would come home and crash out on the couch. I don't remember that. Mm. All I remember is going to work and just trying to go to different doctors. I don't remember having like a year of just not being able to function. Yeah. So I think that's when I suspected it. It doesn't help that I have, I'm an occupational therapist and I go ahead and diagnose myself because uh-huh. I know, better, right. <laughs> <laughs> but then a 
April of last year, so April of 2019, I finally decided to go with a new doctor because I was getting fed up with just being put on prescriptions yeah, and not actually getting results. Yep. So I found the, the new doctor and she goes, well, let's try a bunch of different tests. Surprise, here's more tests. Yep. And, and she put me on different meds, which seemed to alleviate the symptoms, but she had to keep increasing them every week or two. Yeah. And, and she knew someone who deals with fibromyalgia and she goes, you know what? I think you definitely have it. So in May of 2019, I went to the fibro doctor and he said he could tell from setting his first eye on me yep. with the sunken eyes, the paleness, the, the kind of a ghost look to me mm -hmm. that he knew right away that I was fibromyalgia. Yeah. So that's when I was able to finally get answers and comfort knowing that I finally have a diagnosis. Okay, now let's see what we can do to improve it. Yeah. So it had been a couple years. And then like, when you look back over your life, when does it seem like you actually started having symptoms or feeling sick? Probably back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. When it really started to level me. Yeah. And what I've were the first things that you dealt with? Stomach issues actually were my first things. Yep. Um, I would constantly go to the doctors going, hey, my stomach is severely nauseated. I can't keep food down. I can't eat these different foods. Yeah. I would go through spells of diarrhea and constipation. And they go, well, it's irritable bowel syndrome. You know, I even had a colonoscopy and endoscopy done. And they're like, you look perfectly healthy. Nothing's wrong. Yep. And then they told me it's stress. Just do yoga. Well, if you're hurting so bad, how are you yes. supposed to do these things? Yeah. And so I went through the struggle of trying to find different doctors to deal with my intestinal issues. And then when I finally started going on different tracks of eating different foods, nothing seemed to really help, yeah. quite honestly, but I didn't, I didn't have the right resources either. Right. But with what and, you had, you were trying it out. Yeah. And, and I've always had headaches since I can remember. Literally, I, I don't know how far back, probably to when I was 11 or 12, okay. when they first started. So I don't know if that was related to that or not. But then the headaches kept getting worse. And then I had neck symptoms. And then in 2017, I ended up in the hospital for six days with an intestinal infection. Mm. And at that point, I was like, okay, something's got to be done. Yeah. So I do have to say diet does work with it because yeah. when I went keto diet, I started feeling better, but then the pain came back. Got it. So the stress of my life living at my parents' house and dealing with walking on eggshells all the time, the keto diet only works so much. Right. Drinking water only works so much. I didn't realize how much stress does affect fibromyalgia and it kept spiraling out of control. I had neck pain, had to miss work for neck pain. And then it just kind of crippled my body between 2017 or 2019. Yeah. To the point where I literally was calling off of work too much and getting yeah. in trouble for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things that's like, when you're actually living inside of it, it's this huge, there's this huge impact, but especially when it grows slowly. I mean, you can tell me how it was for you, but it's like, it almost can be like, you can't totally tell how bad it's gotten when it happens so slowly over time, it becomes your new normal. And even right. though it's like, okay, I know this really isn't good, but maybe I'm just tired. Maybe this is just normal. I've even heard people bless their little 30 year old hearts tell me, you know, well, I just know it might be age. I'm like, you're 30. It's not age yet. We got a while, right? But we start to come up with these things to just sort of say, I don't know, maybe it's just me. It's not that big a deal. Maybe it's in my head. Like, did you deal with some of that stuff along the lines? Oh yeah. Like, um, I can even go back farther to pet previous to 2009, actually. And when I first started college in 2004, I was tired all the time now that yeah. I remember. And my mom would say, well, you're just burning your candle at both ends and blah, blah. No, I'm not. I'm literally yeah. going to school during the week, coming home and sleeping. And on the weekends, I go out once or twice. That, that that's, should be normal for a 20-some-year-old to do. Yeah. And 
I was just constantly tired and could not fight through it. Yep. And I, I lost reality when I was tired all the time. I could not focus. I didn't realize what was going on. Mm-hmm. I did think some, there was something wrong with me, but I wasn't getting answers. Yeah. Yep. So then here we are fast track. You go to the fibromyalgia doctor and you actually finally have some people that are like, yep, this is real. Yep. There's things to do about it. What was that like when you first had those conversations? It was a mixed reaction. I was relieved to know that it wasn't just in my head. I'm not making this up. Yeah. And at the same time, I was kind of devastated because I know the prognosis of fibromyalgia. Yeah. And doctors say that it's something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. Here's what we can do for you to treat the symptoms back to treating the symptoms. So it was kind of a mix. Oh, thank God I have an answer. But great. How am I going to cope with this? Yeah. And one thing I do want to point out is the fibro doctor actually said that I was on my way to a nursing home with how severe my symptoms were. Yeah. And that actually knocked me off my rails. Yeah. Like working in a nursing home, I know what that's like. Yeah. And he said that he treated a 20 year old that was in a nursing home due to fibromyalgia and his protocol helped her get her life back. Right. So at that time, it was, oh, God, thank you. There's some hope in my future. I didn't realize how much <laughs> it would actually mean to me. Yeah. But um, at the time, it was, it was depression. It was sadness. It was happiness. And yet there was some sort of calm that came over me. Mm. But I knew I had a fight ahead of me, and I didn't know how bad that fight still would have been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then what happened? Well, I started going to that fibro doctor for two months, two to three, maybe. But the problem with fibromyalgia with a lot of patients is that they don't discover until they're much older. Yeah. So the doctor wasn't really conducive to my, my schedule. You know, he worked Monday through Friday, but Monday through Thursday, it was eight to four. And if you didn't make an appointment on time, you had to reschedule, even though if you call and you're on yeah. your way, he still had to make me reschedule. And on Fridays, it was only new patients and Fridays was my day off. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go in and actually get the, per- the meds that he prescribed, the, the homeopathic re- yeah. regimen that he prescribed. And I had to pick it up right there Yeah. instead of the, the mail order. And it was frustrating. So then I became real frustrating. Well, well, this isn't conducive, but I want to keep going. So then I decided to check out you. Mm -hmm. You seem more adaptable at the time. And my perception was, well, you're more adaptable. You know what's already going on. You've seen me spiral. Yeah. And you were pretty much, you understood the undoes you put me on. Yeah. And you had the knowledge base. So I was like, okay, well maybe that this is the route to go. Right. Yeah. And for a while there, we were going to do work, you know, concurrently together. And then there was just some logistical things that, and that is one of the challenges when, you know, a lot of people are dealing with a chronic illness and the very things they need to do to get the chronic illness better are hard to do because they have the chronic illness or, you know, scheduling, work schedule, all those kinds of things kind of run into it too. So it's making your life work around the whole thing. Yeah. 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 So how was it? Cause like you kind of dove in the deep end of the pool when it came to protocols and, you know, like, and I want you to share a little bit about like literally what you do like every day, like you get up and then you do this and then you do that. Cause I, you know, you have taken it on in such a way it's made a huge difference really quickly. And I know that there's no small, it was no small effort that got you there. Well, let me jump back to the first yeah. fibro doctor. Yeah. And he gave me the four things of drops I had to do a day. And then I had, and I do that three times a day. Yep. And then I had all these supplements, like three or four supplements at the time to do two to three times a day. I was overwhelmed and I'm like freaking out. I'm not going to get on top of this. I don't know how to do this. 
I don't have time in the morning. My work gives me half an hour lunch. Where am I going to do it at work? Yeah. And I was freaking out. To be honest, it is very overwhelming mm-hmm. to get the, the, the undos in and all the supplements in. But then you work out a routine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, within the first week of taking the undos, I realized it was worth it. Yeah. Because I started feeling relief. I started taking the medications less and I started being able to function better and come out of that fog a little bit. So in the long run, yes, at first it was overwhelming, but it was rewarding. Yep. So then when I got to your protocol and there was a few more things, (laughs) (laughs) the amount that, um, yeah. hit me it wasn't as overwhelming because I realized it did work yeah it was a little bit at first but then you like trying to get the schedule in again and trying to get because you have different set of times you had like almost there's six times a day written on there yeah. right yeah, exactly yeah, so I yeah potentially it was only three times before but if I hadn't had that leading up to that Uh yeah and I don't start everybody where we started you know like that there was some unique circumstances including you already were familiar with some things and I even asked you I was like how do you want to take this on and you're like just hit me we'll work it out you know right yeah when I got into routine again I started feeling relief I started seeing differences and it kept me going yeah um Quite honestly, I don't feel it's overwhelming to take all that stuff if I know it's working. Yeah. Yeah. If you have that, that connection yeah. to it. Totally. Even if it isn't and I'm going through a down dip and it's not working, I usually am able to be like, well, if you don't do it, you're going to start to go backwards. So yeah. you should continue doing that. <laughs> totally. And, you know, this podcast isn't going to include like a whole explanation of the protocol and what we did and why we did it. And when I say protocol, it's like, There's a certain set of homeopathic remedies, herbal remedies, nutraceutical supplements, and regular just daily like support vitamins and minerals, but they are customized to you specifically, not even just fibro. It's not like I have a paint by numbers chart that we take everybody through. And I think that's in natural medicine or, you know, Chinese medicine has it and in many forms of chiropractic has it that's really critical is that we're not even treating fibro. We're not treating the disease. It was you and what you needed and where you were at and, and unwinding your body in that process. Like how do we turn things on that haven't been working and how do we actually get your body to be able to detoxify? Cause in fibromyalgia, toxicity is a huge component, emotional and physical. Right. And so as we've been working those layers off, you know, and then building your energy up enough so that when we do detoxify you, we don't level you, <laughs> you know, so it's, this, it's like, it's a dance. It's this whole coordination, this dance of the process over the last, I guess now it's, you started Undas with your first fibro doctor in about April, I think. May. So, for- May. Okay. Yeah. And Undas are a form of homeopathic remedy specifically. So just yeah. to kind of get everyone clued, clued in on it. So when we kind of like, um, we have, I, yeah, go ahead. Can I add to that? Though? Yeah. Um, when I had switched over to you, I felt a sense of relief with your protocol versus his. His protocol was the same set of undas for, I think he had me up to four months. Yeah. And then you had explained the purpose of undas and said that it it's better to switch them up. Mm-hmm. So it was more reassuring. Yeah. And I do have to say, when he did the trial run of taking me off the undos, undos for a week, yeah. let's just say I was on the Millennium Force crashing to the floor. Yeah. And <laughs> that was, that's... his context was to just actually see, like, how are they working and what are they yeah. doing and what they're, yeah. and so they were working really well and then took them away and yeah. Yeah. If you, if you want to put it in your quotes or whatever, right. you all are looking for a secret medicine or pill. <laughs> Yes. I love that you say that. I, I know there are clients of mine out there right now listening to this that, um, you know, I, 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 to each their own and they do work with different bodies in different ways. You have a particular, I actually think that this is correlates. Like, you know, we get into like, well, why did you have fibro in the first place? Right. And I assert, I don't have like research to back this up, but that fibromyalgia heavily correlates to 
children who've grown up in traumatic homes. And the, the other thing that happens when you grow up in a traumatic home, either there's mental uh, illness or there is addiction or whatever the circumstances are, as a kid to survive, you have to enhance your intuition and your sensitivity. Like you had to be sensitive to like, how's my mom going to be today? What, which version am I going to get? And what exactly. happens in that case is, is there's this energetic and emotional sensitivity that gets developed, which in the long run is a great strength. You have this compassion and this empathy and the sensitivity to your patients, the people that you work with and also in your life. But it's also a detriment where like any little thing gets in and impacts you. And I think there's a emotional and physical like mirroring of each other. And yeah. that physically you also were sensitive. So one, your body takes in toxicity, it impacts you more. You hold on to it tighter. And two, though, I also see correlatively when I have patients like that or clients like that, that I then put on Unda's homeopathic remedies, the more energetic remedies, they're equally as sensitive to the remedies. There's yep. like this whole theme through the whole thing. Cause you know, I've treated hundreds of people and not everybody responds the same way, you know, it, with the same experience of either relief that quickly or any of that. Right. So it's always fascinating to me, like all the differences, but in your case in particular, we put them in you and you were like, ah, like, this is so much yeah. better, you know? And I want to add to that too. Like, um, with the emotional thing, it took me for the longest time to do the correlation, but when I would have an emotional response to what was going out on on the outside world, yeah, I would notice my immediate reaction would be to panic and have anxiety. And then now I can watch it that I spiral, and I when I would spiral, I would go so deep that within a half an hour to an hour later, my pain would kick up so severe, yeah, that it would cripple me. Wow. And now that I can, now that I've seen it and able to acknowledge it, I'm able to maybe head it off the pass or not spiral emotionally too deep. Yeah. So it doesn't hurt me in the long run. Wow. And emotionally, it does tie into the physical drain later. Yeah. 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 And you experienced that really strongly. And as we started to find tools to like cut the spiraling being communication, work with even just charting your emotions. I mean, Collages. what's that? Collages. Collaging, right? Like literally yeah. like, like getting to be able to have an, that's an artistic way, you know, using like images from the internet or, or of magazines to be able to express what you're dealing with. And you would like collage your pain. You would collage you know, the things that you were dealing with emotionally and it was a way to get it out and then to be able to be in communication with your partners and people in your life about what it was like and what it was dealing with. Because I remember in the beginning, there'd just be so much overwhelm of pain. It, it would like, you know, we call it the amygdala hijack. It's like your brain shuts down because it's so right. overwhelmed with that experience. Then even if you wanted to be able to share with people what you're dealing, it was like there were no words. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I remember when you first took me on back in June, July, whenever it was, yeah. you said, how about I make you better by Christmas? And at that time I laughed because I knew it was a handful of problems. Well, guess what? By Christmas, I was be able to enjoy the holidays. Yeah. It was fantastic. I was in very minimal pain. I was able to control the emotions and be able to communicate with those around me what was going on so I can make the best of the holidays. Yeah. Totally. We started sleuthing out all kinds of things. Like when you realized how important it was to stay warm and not yeah. let yourself get cold. Like that was like, that was like a big breakthrough moment when you could correlate one, you correlated the emotions, the spiral and increasing your pain. Then I also remember there was another big level up. You're like, if I can stay ahead and not let that chill get in, it yes. would make a huge difference with your pain. And I've, I've talked to other patients that have fibromyalgia and they agree with the coldness. If they keep yeah. their body warm, yeah. they have pain. Yeah. So I do have to admit that is a great way to try to keep on top of it. Right. Yeah, totally. Layer up people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and I mean, I just looking at like all the things, right? Like, cause there was, there was a lot of different components. So like, we did the protocols, right? And it's easy to kind of focus on that, but what other things 
were you changing and altering in your life? Um, communicating with my partners, yeah, um, this and family members to say what is actually going on, so they could help me cope with what um, emotionally I was feeling and physically. So if I was dealing with something like finances, yeah, they would try to set me aside and go, "What can we do?" If I hadn't communicated that in the past, I would just let it spiral and build up in me. And then next thing I know, I'm in crippling pain. Mm. So that's one way I was able to change the pathway. Another way is, you know, the, the warmth, making sure that I'm staying warm. Um, Another way is being aware of what, sometimes you just wake up in pain. That's what fibro is. And trying to be like, okay, so what do I need to do today? Do I need to drink water? Do I, what supplements have worked in the past, like Calm Gen and Alert Gen and Trauma Gen and take those and see if I can head it off at the past before it gets even worse. Mm. Stretching, mm-hmm. that does work really well. Um, I know it's hard to do when you're in pain, but if you can do a little bit, it does ease up. Yeah. And those are the main ways that I think I've been able to be aware of it and communicate communication yeah. with those around you and telling them what's going on with you so they can help you, I think is a big key too. Yeah. We talked a lot about, cause you know, inherently you have a lovely accomplished perfectionist streak. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> discovering your capacity to actually, like you were even just sharing with me before is like, yeah, sometimes it's when you're having a bad day, but to be able to even just let the house be messy and yep. not add the stress of that, right? And also to, to and I know you struggled with it, but being able to ask for help <clears throat> when it was just like, it's really not going to be me that's going to yeah. be able to do this. Exactly. Um, it, having others around that can help you through yeah. it does mean a lot. And trying to separate the emotion from the physical. That mm-hmm. is a big key. So if you can separate your emotions and just accept that pain is pain, it's going to be there mm-hmm. and take the emotion out of it. I've noticed I've hurt less. Interesting. If I, if I combine the emotion with it, then I realize that the pain, physical pain will increase. So wow. for example, For example, if I get out of work and I've had a really bad day, I've noticed myself sit in my car and just try to take in what's actually causing the pain. If I can, I'll separate and leave it at work. If I don't, I've noticed that my pain sits in on my way home. And by the time I get out of the car, which is only 20 to 30 minute drive, I'm hobbling around in pain. Mm. But if I can separate that and just well, today was a cruddy day. Let's just leave that. <laughs> I'm not hurting as bad. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to do. Yeah. I'm still struggling with it. But if you can actually separate that emotional tie with it and be like, well, today's going to hurt. That's okay. Yeah. Take it easy. Don't overdo it. And just leave the emotional com- uh, component out of it. It's not as love- leveling. Yep. Can you give any pointers of like how you do that? That's a good one. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, it's like, I mean, I watched your progression through, you know, there was a point where even identifying what emotions you had, you were just upset. So we actually gave you a list of emotion words and right. you started charting and noticing like, I feel isolated. I feel worthless. I feel powerless. I feel angry. I feel unloved. I feel left out. Like there was a whole bunch of different words on there that you could start to even what I would say from my side of it was like, pull that apart. Cause it was all one big ball of fiery pain and emotion all at one time in the beginning. Right. And you got better at like literally so being that, able to say, here's my feeling, here's my pain. So that did help. Um, for example, if Say Ajax or Kitsu were to, they, they said something that set me off. In the past, I would let that 
either angry me, you know, make me angry or make me feel sad and shut down, which in turn would make my physical pain worse. Yep. Instead, now what I tried to do is be like, okay, I didn't like how that came out. Try to ask what they meant by it mm. and see if they can reword it. Maybe I misunderstood them mm-hmm. or maybe I'm internalizing something and they meant it as playful yeah. and figure out what the actual component is. And if, if they did mean it, didn't mean it in that way, but it still hurt me. I'll be like, well, I'm actually hurt by that. Yeah. Try to let that emotion out right then and there. So it doesn't turn in into the physical aspect. Yeah. So try to separate it by figuring out what the emotion is, handling it and putting it off to the side being like, okay, that's handled. Now I can move on. Yeah. 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 Totally. (laughs) You know, and then, it is. It's hard to do. It's hard to do and it's a skill set and you have really supportive partners around you who, you know, come from that place and will talk through stuff in that way and that cuz like you've been a really powerful example of how stress and your emotional world cuz if you think about it if we stuff an emotion and we clamp down and we try and put it down here, literally our body like clamps down on it and then then the spasms the lightning pain, all of that right. stuff can go up. That comes. But with here's, it. here's another thing: um, if you're around someone that you can't actually separate that because they just don't get it, and that's how they are. Like, for example, when I was with my dad the other day, yeah, he was in his rampage of yelling at people and upset, and I started feeling the anxiety. Mm. But I cannot communicate that he was creating anxiety. He he would not understand on that level. Yeah. So what I did is I was able to pull myself away from the situation and be like, everything's fine. We're not dying. No one's getting hurt. And I ended up pulling myself into a space that makes me happy, whether it was playing a game or admiring the ice on the trees or trying to focus on the current situation and being present. Yeah. Trying to separate myself from what was actually happening of the negative energy that was building in other people. Yeah. So when I, once I was able to do that, I realized that the anxiety wasn't there and I was just enjoying standing around watching people, people and <laughs> be weird. And totally. Yep. Yep. I just enjoyed my time being like, okay, so I'm out and about, I'm uh-huh. not bad right now, you know, and to just appreciate the present time. So that's if you can't communicate. Totally. That's- and it really, that's a really big thing that you just mentioned. It's a big deal. And, you know, in any in any time in our lives when we're getting overwhelmed by emotions, just getting present. And there's actually, I had a coach once who, when I was spiraling in my own way, actually literally had me describe the items around me. He's like, yep. what's something that's in front of you that you can see right now? And so it'd be like the tissue box. And he'd be like, okay, describe the tissue box to me. And the more I would be out here with the tissue box in present all my stuff disappeared. And then I'd go back into my head and I could like wind it back up again and literally like spin myself back up into my fury. And then he'd be like, okay, pick another object. And I'd like, you know, and it was, it's, it's kind of a trick to actually have that moment of being present and being out here, you know, and I know in people that have been in, you know, long-term hospital stays for severe car accidents or accidents, that's a word, um, accidents and surgeries and things like that, they will have mantras in their head or they'll literally be singing like ancient songs in their head. And that creates a way now that's in your head, but it's still like pulling you into something that you're being present with. Right. Distinct from all of that that's going on. So that's, that's a really big deal. That's awesome that you discovered that. Yeah. And I'm still working on that because I am very much influenced by those around me. Yeah. I've been taught that growing up, walking yeah. on details, being aware of what the situation is, what the mood is in. So luckily I've been able to lately being able to just pull it aside and be like, okay, get, like you said, get present. Like at the time that we were at the restaurant with my dad, I'm like, okay, so I'm so glad there's a tree here that I can hide behind, <laughs> whether it's real or fake. And I'm trying to figure out whether it was real or fake, <laughs> not focusing on anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah 
realizing it was real. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Poor thing is getting hit all the time by all these people. Yeah. <laughs> and I just focused on the darn plant. <laughs> that's awesome. So if you're willing to talk about it, what would you say the hardest part about the last nine months has been? Where has it been the most challenging? Accessing my inner child and realizing how deeply it's been hurt and mm. how much my childhood probably stemmed everything, um, the fibromyalgia and my pain and dealing with my mom and trying to separate myself from my mom so I can heal right now until I'm able to communicate what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sep- separate myself from my dad because he has the negative energy. That's been very challenging too, because I was very close with my dad. Um, and just dealing with this, like a lot has been dug up from mm-hmm. my child. And I didn't realize how much I have stuffed down over the years just to get through. And each time that I do dig up through it, it will hit me hard. Yeah. And I'll feel very small. But lately I'm discovering that it's okay to feel small. That's how you heal. And just allow yourself to heal and be with that. That small side has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. You want to just stuff it down. You don't want that pain to come out. Yeah. And to try to deal with that pain and let it come out and console it has been very challenging. Over the holidays, it hit me hard. Over my birthday, it hit me hard. Holidays was the one time that I was like actually happy in my family and nothing was going wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, it was all toys and gifts. You know, it wasn't, oh, let's all just get together because we actually enjoy our company. Mm. So a lot has stemmed out and it's, it's been very emotional letting that inner child come out. And when I discovered one of my stuffed animals that I had as a kid, I remember the first time I held it in, I don't know how many years, I just burst into tears. The smells, the feel of it. I was like, I didn't realize how badly I was hurt on the inside and how much I had actually slept down. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest eye opener. And that was the hardest to handle that a little yeah. stuffed animal would send me that deep. Yeah. And so, you know, I've watched, like, would you be willing to share some of the things you've actually embraced to kind of, you're really good at taking care of your inner child. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just go for it. So what, what does that look like? Um, do you mean like my stuffies and stuff? Or? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so I've allowed that inner child to come out by feeling small, but playful small like wanting to color or just want to hold my stuffed animals. Like I have a series of stuffed owls that just make me feel loved and comforted, even though they don't say anything. They all have names. They all uh-huh. have personalities. Uh-huh. And when they come out to play, I forget about the world around me. I have like a comfort. I didn't realize I always have a comfort blanket. Yeah. And that's how I deal with that inner child. Cause it always likes to be warm and soft and fuzzy and owls make me happy. So it's full of owls. <laughs> And I talk in a small voice. Yeah. And I like to play with Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which so many of us actually, I mean, I got coloring books downstairs and like my favorite thing is hanging out with my friend's kids so that it looks normal when I'm like, yeah, totally. Let's get down. No, seriously. I want to play Legos. Like you guys are playing Legos. <laughs> we're playing Legos, you know? But I love how much permission you've given yourself in creating an environment. You know, it's like, like that's a big deal. That's a huge part of healing is being willing to go back and nurture those parts of ourselves that didn't experience the nurturing. And no matter what, you know, whoever is listening, like it could even just be that you weren't mothered enough or mothered in the way that you needed. It's not to go and bastardize and make our parents wrong necessarily. You know, right. as you, one of the things you shared that was really powerful, starting to discover the extent to which that your mom did what your mom knew to do. Right. She has her own stuff. You know, that's a huge shift when it's not like she was this horrible person, you know, and recognizing her own patterns of pain Mm -hmm. and demons and all of that and what she was dealing with. And there was a big missing 
in your childhood around what the way you said I mean you can use your words but I remember you saying something about like like be you weren't able to be little when you were little you always had to be more grown up right handle things like that yeah like the house always had to be clean for friends to come over and if I wanted to go over a friend's house well I don't feel like going out today so I would just be in my own head and go with my imaginary friend at the time um another I've noticed a breakthrough this week, actually, um, when I really wanted to be small because I had a rough day at work. It was just overwhelming. I had a lot of pain. I came home and said I wanted to be small. So what I did is I asked for hot chocolate, grabbed my stuffies and blanket and colored with my hot chocolate. And the next day I felt a lot better. Yeah. And it's just allowing yourself to take the time back, step out of adulthood yeah. And just do what you love. What makes you happy? For some, it's video games. For others, yeah. it's coloring. Sometimes it's as simple as watching TV on the couch with a blanket. Yep. It's just a matter of trying to find out what actually works. Grilled cheese sandwiches. I, exactly. Which sometimes can be inflammatory, but sometimes they're really comforting. <laughs> I mean, it's like I shouldn't really eat a lot of cheese and wheat, but at the same time, there are times when like, that was the thing was grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. And I like, I can measure how well I'm doing or not emotionally. And when I'm really like in the number of grilled cheese sandwiches in a month, I'm like, okay, it was a six grilled cheese sandwich month. What is going on here? What am I not dealing with? You know? And yeah. it was really nice this week. Normally in the past, I felt bad asking, Hey, can you make me hot chocolate? Cause I physically can do it. There's no problem of me doing it. But to yep. be able to ask and not feel bad and actually have a nice cup of hot chocolate was yeah. fantastic. And it's just, it was, I don't know. It was really rewarding. <laughs> it's so awesome though. I mean, those, those are the things and it's like, yes, the, the supplements are making a huge difference. We're literally rewiring your genetics. We're working on helping your body detoxify. I mean, we did a whole, you know, pretty serious GI microbiome reset, you know, that was like a six week protocol and you had a huge opening when that was done. So like there that are those biochemical components. And like one of the reasons I'm doing the healing project is there are some phenomenal people out there. Dr. Axe has like this incredible blog and he's got all kinds of information and Chris Cresser's got great information out there. I mean, Tim Ferriss has been pioneering this kind of work for a long time, but there's a lot of it that's just focuses on the microbiome, here's the nutritional things you need to do, here's specifically the diet things you need to do, like that. And it's like, I want to expand this conversation to getting on the couch with a cup of hot cocoa that your friend or your partner made for you with a warm, soft blanket and a familiar stuffed toy from your childhood is as integral and important as the very sophisticated alleviation of microbiome and, you know, dysbiosis that we have. Like it, that's part of the healing process that we don't talk about very much because it's not sexy and it's not sophisticated and you know, like that. Also, you know, with me being called owl and having bird like qualities, me being, being able to pretend like I'm an owl for an hour is fantastic release as well. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, it, as a child, I used to pretend I was a lion. If I access that, I'm sure it would help release, but I'm more of an owl than a lion. <laughs> and it's so cool because like these are things that we did as kids all the time just to express ourselves to play but who knows like letting these energies channel through our body and you know I mean I also have been studying shamanic medicine and in shamanic medicine bringing in the great tiger spirit energy was a healing event and we don't have a normal accepted societal way of dealing with that stuff at this point. Although there are like, I can't remember the name of it. There's a whole, um, fitness movement of primal movements and they like do all this, like it's a workout on a gym floor and you're like being the lion and you're being the orangutan and you're being these different animals and they're doing it for physical fitness. But I got to think there's like a whole world of healing your child, getting in touch with play, you know, and even if it's not let's say you have a great childhood and there's like not anything there tapping into these places of play. You know, this was a big one for me to learn. I was Miss Sirius. Everything was serious. And as 
you know, my sister will tell you, and <laughs> it's like, like that was a little hard for her because she comes way more from the play side of things, you know. And as we grew up, it was like something for me. I was actually physically really little. I was much smaller than kids my own age. And so when I was eight years old, I looked like a six-year-old and people would interact with me like I was young. And so improving my bigness, I would speak a particular way and I would act a particular way. And I would like try and be more grown up to try and like prove myself. That didn't go away when I got older. <laughs> so like, it's been really healing for me in my life as a whole. And my enjoyment is getting access to play. And that's a yeah. lot of what we're talking about here, but like, play is a therapeutic outlet, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to go to the arcade and play skee-ball. I'll tell you what, you'll feel a lot better than you have in a few days. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So awesome. Good. Um, what else? What else do you want to share about this? To stick to it mm. and don't give up. Yeah. And if you feel a little bit of relief, there's more to come. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an easy journey, not by any means. If you can do the legwork, you'll notice a difference and you'll be grateful you did the legwork. Yeah. Um, I am looking forward to accessing that inner child more and digging up more stuff. I do recommend breaks in between. Yes. <laughs> Because otherwise it's a bit intense, yeah. <laughs> especially in the middle of winter. <laughs> but um, just keep taking the supplements. Keep doing the hard work. Yeah. It, what it, happens when you mess up? Wink, wink. When you don't take the supplements, wink, wink. You actually end up feeling physically and emotionally worse. And yeah. you start beating yourself up. One might, yep. Yeah, and you don't yeah. allow for that play. Yeah. An inner child to come out to heal. Yeah. And kind of stop yourself from healing. And you really do need to. <laughs> Although I don't want to be hard on myself, I understand why it hit. And Good. that's another thing is try not to be hard on yourself. That was more where I was going with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and I think it's perfect you answered it the way you did because that's one that you still work on, you know, is like. <laughs> You'll come sometimes and you're like, oh, I've been so bad. There was this one time at six o'clock on Tuesday that I didn't take my supplements. <laughs> I'm like, dude, breathe. It's okay, you know? But yes, I mean, yeah, of course, the more we take the action that is actually contributing to our healing, the better we feel. But you have also been very much on the journey of healing that having to be perfect, having to do yep. it right, having to have everything, you know, it, it's actually in my world as the practitioner, a breakthrough when you come to calls and you're not prepared with your handwritten notes of every single thing. I'm like, yeah, she's relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are great too, you know, but like right. being able to start to like have that inner compassion has been a part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. And communicating with those around you is a yeah. very big key factor and letting them know what's going on. Because as for fibromyalgia, they don't know what it feels like. Mm -mm. Only you know what it feels like, and you don't know how to describe it. Try it with pic collages. I'm telling you. Yeah, that was a big one for you. When I showed difference. it, when I showed it to Kitsune Ajax for the first time, they went, "Oh my god, I had no idea." Yeah, it really does get them to believe the mindset that you're in, and get them to see what your pain actually is. Yeah. Because what does fibromyalgia look like on the outside? Completely like I'm normal and healthy and just moving along and just yeah. having a rough day sometimes yeah. or just making it up in my head. That's what it looks like. Totally. Right. It doesn't have that obviousness to it that other things. Now, I actually think there's a lot of chronic illnesses that we're dealing with at this point that are like that. And that's part of what we're kind of uncovering and letting go is that like, you know, because I... I would never say somebody over dramatizes it, but sometimes at least for me, I would think there'd be a tendency to want to kind of make it sound like, like, Oh, so bad just to get people on board to even understand that I'm dealing with something, but unwittingly we're then propagating even more intense symptoms. Right. So finding other ways to be able to express that. And, you know, and you do have a really awesome environment around you 
you know, of support system for those kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to share your story and your journey. And I have my final question for you is where do you think you are? Like if you could say like on your progression of this, like, are you close to being done? Like, what do you, what do you think that's, how do you, how do you know where you are on the journey? Physically, I feel like I'm close to being, you know, back to normal and functional. Emotionally, I still feel like there's a lot to heal. Yeah. And I still want to work on that aspect so I can continue to physically heal as well. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I'm close physically. Emotionally, I still feel like there's some legwork to do. Yeah. And that's a big deal. You know, I mean, I have often been quoted that in the first year of intensive work doing chronic disease reversal, we can alleviate about 80% of the symptoms that somebody's dealing with. But the 20% that's left over is usually the toughest stuff. That's yeah. why it's still there. And right. with like emotional or particularly persistent symptoms, you know, then it kind of shows itself what the root causes are. Some of the deeper tap roots and where things really came from start to become even more apparent. You know, when we've got four or five more months until four more months until we're really at that year mark. But for you to actually say that this far in, you feel like you're mostly physically almost back to normal is, is a big deal. That's, yeah. That alone is huge, you know, and then your willingness, I think, to take it on multifaceted physically, mentally, emotionally, and like spiritually and sort of your, you know, we didn't even talk about it today, but you've really taken a look at your career and mm -hmm what job do you need to be in that actually supports you and fulfills your life and recognizing the connection that that has to your well-being too and looking right. at new options around work both in terms of what would be good for your physical body work but also like that would be more fulfilling for you so like addressing it in all areas does speed up the process in that mm -hmm. way which you've been a shining example gold star gold star for <laughs> doing that <laughs> yeah that's awesome you're kind of midway in some senses, physically not, you know, further than that, emotionally opening stuff up. So to be able to share your story on the court in the middle of it all, not just like, yeah, and then that thing happened and now I'm all back to normal. You know, it's really powerful. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. All right. Until next time. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thanks to today's guest, Cora Curry, for sharing her joy, her heart, and her remarkable story. You can learn more about finding your own healing by going to sarahmarshallnd.com or following me on Instagram at sarahmarshallnd. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. Thank you for being here. Until next time. <laughs>